Good evening. I am Ricardo Deacon. And I'm Orla Martinez. Each week we take turns to pick a film the other has not seen and meet to discuss it. We believe films, good and bad, create a form for discussion and thought. We recommend listeners to watch the film as spoilers are ahead. Welcome to the recommendation game. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> this week's film is Weekend from 2011, directed by Andrew Haig, produced by Tristan Gallagher, written by Andrew Haig, starring Tom Cullen and Chris New, with music by James Edward Baker and cinematography by Ulla Ponticos, also mm-hmm. edited by Andrew Haig. The IMDb synopsis is as follows. After a drunken house party with his straight mates, Russell heads out to a gay club. Just before closing time, he picks up Glenn, but what's expected to be just a one-night stand becomes something else. Something special. Today's film was Orla's pick. So, first of all, why did you pick Weekend? Um, I picked it... First of all, I think I really enjoyed this film and I, it's kind of something that I recommend to people whenever they're sort of looking for something interesting to watch. But for you especially, we'd had a conversation a while ago after his most recent film, 45 Years, came out and we had kind of a good discussion about it and you'd never seen Weekend and I thought that it's interesting from the perspective of having, after having seen 45 Years, to go back and kind of do it in that way. I think you can kind of see a lot of his early style that's very present in 45 Years. You can see it in Weekend. And I think he is the kind of filmmaker where he had a very strong debut and it's an interesting comparison. So I thought that you would enjoy it. And my review of the film is that I did enjoy it. It is a fantastic piece of work. It is particularly impressive. Considering that it's his debut and considering that the film was made for about 130,000 British pounds. Hmm. Back in the day, that was worth something. <laughs> but it's a it, little uh, Brexit joke there. Oh, folks. yeah. We're all topical <laughs> in this <laughs> podcast. I think it's a film that brought to light a side of society that I'm not used to being part of. I am a straight male. And even though the traditional awe I have gay friends and stuff you it, film creates empathy in a way that other mediums don't or even conversations because it puts you in the position of the characters and judges mm. you that way and this film particularly has a very distinct point of view and the point of view of the entire movie is the point of view of russell it's very immersive as well i think yeah and it, it, it creates the characters it is not a gay film it is just a love story uh, something that makes it completely different to Brokeback Mountain that it feels like a topic movie yeah. with the love story that, in it. That is a film that's that's making a point, a very strong point. This doesn't feel as a kind of an issue movie. It just feels like a story and about two people. Yeah, and in the way it makes it stronger because of that. Because it makes the characters just being the characters. Every act that they do is not to service a point, but rather to service their own story, their mm. own advancement as characters. And They're not just a mouthpiece for the writer or director's kind of feelings. Yeah, and um, not to uh, dish too much hatred towards Brokeback Mountain, which I feel <coughs> it's a very important piece of work in, mm. in a way. Yeah. It came ten years ago, so it's something to that shows how society has evolved as well. In the sense that when Weekend came out, it was fairly successful. It made about a million and a half. Yeah, it did quite well. Office. Very, you know, obviously very well in festivals and made his name the start. 
and just a profit return but more importantly that it didn't show up in papers as look there's a gay movie in cinemas mm. there if you're not a film buff it would have been hard to know that this film was coming out and it's hard to think 10 15 years ago a film like this to get a wide release and not yeah, have a without quite, needing um, the stamp of yeah yeah and uh, but my enjoyment of the film was only marred by the ending of the film mm. which is not offensively bad but compared to the excellence that preceded it it makes it a disappointing ending in some ways and it's something that coming from watching 45 years beforehand it kind yeah, of marred yeah. because 45 years the ending is just one makes the movie almost. Yeah, it's, but totally serves the film as well. It, it's that ambiguity that's kind of, it works for that film, I think. Whereas in Weekend, the film, the ending doesn't really, you know, it's like from a different film, doesn't... Yeah, the ending kind of, uh, not to get too ahead of ourselves, we'll go deeper into yeah. the why <clears throat> we have issues with the ending. But uh, to begin with, uh, let's go back to the start. So, <laughs> what do you think about uh, Russell not meeting Glenn on screen? I think that was, it was in a way, it kind of felt like almost anti-indie uh, movie in a way. Like, I, I feel it was a smart choice on the director, like, that you kind of see the whole build-up of them before they meet, and you see them in the club and everything, but you don't actually see the meeting. It's cutting straight to the flat. And... I think for a movie that has a lot of very long scenes, it's also quite well edited in that there's certain things that you just, you know, it, it's powerful not to show it almost. So, like, I think it's it's a very well-constructed film in that way, that he knows yeah. when to linger and he knows when to cut, which is very important and not something that is often seen this skillfully in a, in a, in a debut feature. <clears throat> yeah, it's a very mature film in a way, even the, the way that it's blocked and the way that it's shot that it's very cinema very but without the ugliness that that term often yeah uh, often brings to it uh, the blocking generally speaking makes the scenes sing as they would say uh, it makes the scene flow without the need of a cut mm. and I think that freed up time for the actors to have instead of having to do take after take of an angle yeah to do uh, yeah I think as well um I've read interviews with him where I don't think he likes to um to direct too much or to do too many rehearsals I think he's quite he's happy for obviously there's you know he's, he's there's a script there but he's happy to just leave the actors do their thing which I think comes across as well it feels very natural it doesn't feel like it's not 25th take you know it's yeah, you know, and that especially for this film, I think it works very well. And also, it creates a, a way because of the nature of shooting indoors that you have far more control of your environment. Mm. That you Smart. can tell the the <clears throat> the exteriors are shot quicker and more shoddily, let's say. But it creates a yeah. Well, a, you're, there's a lot of handheld going on on the outside. Um, long lenses, mm. kind of to you can tell that because of the budget they didn't close any streets so it's trying to make people not realise that they're making a movie there Yeah. but what it creates I think is a divide between 
the inside and outside yeah because it's so different and in a way the inside feels safe because it's yeah. these wide and angle lenses enclosed and warm yeah. and even the color tones because a lot of when they're outside even like outside during the day it's it's a bit you know the color is different it seems less saturated it seems more it's just a real contrast between that and the indoor shots that the color palette is very warm and very vibrant it also creates that sense that because he lives in a council flat that the inside is like his home and there seems to allude to it that when they're standing in the doorway they behave differently yeah they don't like in act the hall. as if they were a couple mm. what it creates then it's that sense of tension when they're outside that because of news that we hear and uh, articles and how some things are changing in the world right now that you feel uh, a threat for the characters as they are walking outside their own environment, the environment that they can control. Yeah. And even the scene when Russell is going to meet Glenn in the pub, that uh, he's in the tram mm-hmm. and he overhears a conversation of a couple of teenagers that are just having a laugh, but they're making um, homophobic comments. Mm-hmm. And Russell's reaction is to break down his trilby cap for him is maybe easier yes the, the, this thing that oh if you're just wearing a plaid shirt you're a guy out in the town mm. at the trilby hat if you look yeah. cool it might come out and that tension carries through the film uh, in a very interesting way even uh, glenn's ex uh, when they discuss glenn's ex yeah uh, that he was attacked and because he didn't defend himself it was the reason that Glenn didn't like him it wasn't the fact yeah, that he, just, he cheated on him he sits back and takes it that he's less of a man or something or yeah there's an interesting like contrast going on there between the two characters definitely of how they deal with the fact that they are gay and you know there is sort of Russell's way of dealing with which is you know just don't don't speak up, don't cause problems, just go about your life and people won't bother you if they're not overtly aware that you're gay. Whereas Glenn is very aggressive, very, you know, that's how he deals with it, that he will get up in people's faces, he will he will start arguments, he will, you know, that's that's his defence mechanism. Yeah, like the, interesting. in the pub when the, he, yeah. the discussion between him and one of the punters about... Uh, your man complaining about him and the character says that it's just because he's loud not because he's gay <laughs> and Glenn tries to force him to say that it's because he's gay and doesn't drop the point yeah and in a way it's interesting how their roles revert when they're in their own space when they're alone that Russell, in a way, seems to be far more comfortable in his skin than Glenn, but Glenn pretends to be more comfortable than Russell. Yeah. And that veneer breaks when Glenn asks Russell out. Mm. That is like that confidence slips out of him. And as soon as you get to the pub and you meet Glenn's friend, that his uh, friend, I believe her name is Lisa in the movie. Mm, I'm not sure that she uh, speaks to Russell about Glenn and says that he never goes through things. That he says, like, he basically talks a big talk, but never yeah. walks the walk. Behind it all, it's, it is just a defense mechanism. It's, yeah, it's an interesting conversation. You, yeah, there's a lot of that where you're getting little sort of ideas of, of how they are and how they behave 
even in smaller scenes you know a lot of it's very subtle which is nice yeah and it's like the development of the relationship that it doesn't feel scripted in a way as in not scripted it doesn't feel writery as in it's not yeah. there's no flourish in the writing to say look i'm a writer even sitting through other films that are like two people talking like chamber pieces that this is almost a chamber piece yeah that uh, seldom do you see one that the writer steps back and lets the characters tell the stories yeah without showing his hand it almost feels like it's improvised but the structure of the film in a way betrays the fact that it is not improvised yeah it's very naturalistic and i think that the camera work quite it reflects that quite well as well mm. it feels you're in the room with them it's like, yeah those in- interior scenes are very interesting very nice the other thing i was going to ask you about it's like what do you think the their projects about their sex lives reflect on the characters mm. how and why are they in the film yeah i think it's an interesting little addition by the director, I think. And in another film, it could have felt like like a gimmick or like, you know, a sort of a thing planted to set, sort of show or tell rather than show, you know. But I think that it's handled very well. I think in a way it's like they, they've channeled how, you know, being gay in the world and their experiences into something creative like two different creative yeah. outlets but you know both creative nonetheless and i think that that's quite interesting and it's quite interesting as well how russell's uh, input is something that he only reads mm. and glenn's tapes he shows to everybody yeah and that's a really nice contrast and i mm. wonder if this project or those recordings are somehow inspired by andrew hay's own experience as a gay man if yeah. he either recorded his passages or how autobiographical Mm. this movie is Uh, I like that kind of it makes you realize especially in a second watch how this is actually coming from very deep experience that Andrew Hay has it feels very real yeah he has an empathy for them as well for his characters that is very impressive especially for a first-time director but for any director really to Mm. to to be able to convey a feeling and a love for their characters even through their flaws like he conveys in this movie Mm. and yeah it's funny what you were saying about progress and how that kind of film is able to come out and it can be it doesn't have to be marketed as a gay film um but you know it, it was interesting though how whenever 45 years came out which is obviously a straight love story I read an interview with him where he said that a lot of the time he was getting questions kind of like oh was it hard for you to move from doing gay stories because he he does um, looking as well as nothing he's involved with um, to doing a straight story and he was kind of like obviously not they're just love stories they're you know there's no difference but it is interesting that people would feel the need to ask him that question you know that you know <laughs> we haven't made as much progress as we'd like nearly you know yeah like the, it's the kind of hidden thing that uh, progress exists but at the same time for good or bad there's always an exaggeration of where things are and i think that um 
his progress uh, his progress i think that progress in general mm. is kind of deceptive on especially in the arts is that the films that he makes the kind of people that will watch it yeah it's a different for example milk the way that that was advertised versus weekend yeah. i don't think that there is a cultural example for big budget movie that is dealing with gay themes like this no. movie does yeah and i say gay themes just still... in the sense of having two main characters who are gay and yeah. they're in love with each other it's still restricted to the indie movie scene yeah um for good or bad you know it's but in the same vein like it's kind of stupid when people ask oh how are you able to write that it's like yeah because yeah. michael Crichton like knows exactly what a velociraptor sounds like <laughs> it's... yeah i think that's essentially what he'd said to them so. well like yes because andrew haig loves jurassic park <laughs> i've heard it myself <laughs> it was actually the inspiration for uh, 45 years in here <laughs> <laughs> jurassic park that's quite dark <laughs> Um, my favorite scene in the movie well not favorite scene this is well it is favorite scene because there's a difference between best and favorite Mm -hmm. just the thing that I liked the most was the little uh, side note to let them go to the bumper cars because (laughs) I love bumper cars you do in my notes it says bumper cars woo because (laughs) any film with a scene a happy people in bumper cars <laughs> makes me happy it's like, funny you say that though like, that scene made me think of um uh what's that michelle williams film um oh this is actually a leonard cohen reference as well take, take this, this waltz, waltz yeah no. but uh that scene in uh in that film um it made me think of that for some reason even though that's a very bittersweet scene because it's and they're not in bumper cars they're in um you know things that spin around but they you know they go to a fairground as well and it's like this whole intense scene where like the song's playing and everything and then it just ends and it's quite but it made me think of that sort of oh that would have been a better two... ending to week <laughs> <laughs> video killed the radio star just like <laughs> yeah <clears throat> the the other thing that i like in this movie is the amount of fake outs that there is like judging or perceptions of what's gonna be the actions in the movie for example when we were speaking about how russell meets glenn he's Mm. uh, seeing this short guy in the club he's dancing with him (laughs) and uh, it seems that he's not gonna have the courage to talk to glenn Mm. and then he wakes up the next morning and he's in bed and he's hungover and then glenn shows up and it's kind of like a fake out that you think that it's going to be the little guy. It's going to be yeah. the comedy scene. And yeah. then you get this really like mm. deep scene about like, to be honest, I was like, good God, if I slept with somebody and they start talking to me about that shit <laughs> really early in the morning while I'm hungover, I'd be like, I don't care that I'm in the 14th floor of a flat. <laughs> I'm jumping out the window. <laughs> But uh, the other fake out to be the when um, when Glenn says, "Oh, I hate saying goodbyes." Yeah. And then when they spend their last night together, uh, Russell wakes up alone. Yeah. And you think, "Oh, now that's it." And mm. then Glenn is making coffee, which is a quite a good reversal yeah. to the that, the original I love that scene. That little that little mirror there of from 
the first morning when he comes in with the little and like the little this is flat is obviously full of these like interesting little trinkets when he comes in with these little little cups and then uh in the morning the glen's leaving he comes in with the same cups it's a nice little uh little mirror it's interesting the job that russell has because a lot of times in movies and um, when they're the main character is given a job that is not particularly high earning mm. the job is in a way uh, belittled by the characters around him saying you can do better yeah and russell really enjoys that job yeah. and it's almost like he's content on being who he is yeah and, i, I kind of like the, the scenes of, of him and his job yeah it's kind of nice and it's kind of a nice also reversion again of our expectations that when he's in the pool the straight co-workers are talking about when they were having sex with somebody and they're very graphic and yeah they very laugh. yeah and then when glenn and russell are talking about it mm. it's very similar it's kind of like linking the nobody everybody's the same yeah the it's just uh, obviously it's different bits going to different places, but like uh, in the yes. sense that the the relationships, it's people looking for love, and uh, people, sex is complicated, sex is difficult, mm. uh, sex is, changes things, yeah, and also the way that you relate to your friends about sex mm. says a lot about you. So I think that. It is quite interesting the way that he flips that around in the sense that he doesn't make the straight people bad for yeah, being... Yeah, no, there's, there's no real villains, you know, it's not... Even though it's got the theme of, you know, they're gay, there's, there's always, they're always going to have to deal with people, you know, having a problem with that or whatever, like that, that's there very much so, but at the same time it's not... Nothing is black and white in this film. Yeah, and that is almost like what I was saying about the mood earlier on, that you just Mm. feel like something could happen because of the environment that they're in. Not that anything ever happens. It's just that when they're walking in... You don't miss that. Like, it's not... The film would never need that. Like, it's it's enough to have it implied and that's more powerful than having kind of a... Because it's shot in a way that you expect a surprise attack. Yeah. But it never comes in and makes that even more powerful because it puts you in the shoe that... They, the gay people, sometimes feel that every day. In the sense, yeah. if if they're in an environment that is not particularly welcomed, welcoming to them, and that's where any minority or oppressed people. But yeah. as somebody that thankfully do not have that experience day in and day out, it kind of makes you realize the difference. And when we're talking about progress, how much more progress it's yeah. needed. Yeah. And it's so subtle that mm. that we did mention that it's not a movie with a topic. But obviously Haig doesn't ignore no. the realities. It's not yeah. a fairy tale. It's yeah. not set in this magical world where no. everything is okay. And it's very it's measured. Just, it's a bedrock. It's an underlying tension that's there that is only very you know very subtly addressed. It's never in your face. Yeah. Very well handled, I think. And particularly when you we come to discuss the ending, as mm. we must, because <laughs> it is a very important part of this film, is the the Jamie character, a Russell's straight friend, and this is the other bookend of the, the film as well. The, mm. the, the film starts with a house party in 
Jamie's house. Yeah, and it and ends with the... A house party, a christening party in mm. Jamie's house. And I really liked the Jamie character when uh, Russell goes to talk to Jamie about... Well, not Jamie goes to talk to Russell about what's going on. Yeah. And Russell goes like, I don't talk to you about that kind of thing. And Jamie's reaction is, I know, I wish you did. Yeah. He doesn't say those words, but he implies them. Mm. And you get that sense that Russell wouldn't say anything because he's straight. And his idea of a straight person mm. is that they don't want to hear about gay relationships. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, they'll be my friend, but I can never directly imply or, you know, have conversations about Yeah, it can be the godfather of his yeah, child. Yeah, yeah, um, he doesn't want to know about my my social life or whatever, you know, and it's... His friend is obviously like, this is such a big part of your identity. Of course I want to know, you know. You can tell me anything, I'm your friend. And in that scene alone, it's what good directors and good writers and good actors do. Yeah. Because Jamie is a very minor character where you feel a history between Russell and him. Yeah. And it's a very, very short moment. scenes. Yeah. Very well done. It creates that, that sense of history. That, mm. like, that these characters do not exist only in the the world of this movie yeah. it it exists beyond them that's an interesting point with the the ending actually that's the thing is that if you it's where it breaks that it does that's interesting i hadn't really thought about that before that it really does that it you know we could posit any number of other possible endings but there's a lot of them there that you could imagine where you would be left with that feeling that these are people who keep on going their lives keep on going you know and it's kind of sad when the rest of the film has been leading that way and then we kind of have this strange uh, break as it were yeah it almost feels like the uh, if visually speaking if Andrew Haig was writing in like a, an electrical typewriter but very carefully <laughs> and then at the end he just rushes through writing and then stamps in big red with a big red stamp saying the end and then like that was the script but it's like with dramatic sounds yeah, the, as soon as he shows up in the train station, when Russell shows up to the train station and Glenn is there, mm. and they start talking about Notting Hill and they go like, neither of them has seen it, ha ha ha. I'm like, don't. Just because you mention oh, it doesn't mean that you can no, get away with it. That's it. That, yeah, it just that doesn't cancel it out. It just highlights that even more. And especially since the rest of the movie, there is nothing to, like, it feels <laughs> like a part from a different movie. Yeah. Like it's shot differently, mm. it's edited differently, it's written differently, it's performed differently, yeah. and even the steel from it's like a mixture of Notting Hill <laughs> and a mixture of Lost in Translation. That when Russell proclaims yeah. his love to what Glenn, does he say? what does he say? We'll never know. And in my head, it's like, I don't care because all I thought was, why? Yeah. Like, it's it's like somebody does like in the airplane 20 loops and then crashes <laughs> it's like literally he didn't stick the landing in there and, oh. and it's so disappointing because the, the actual end end like the last two scenes after Glenn, after Glenn leaves and Russell is alone again in his apartment and looking yeah. over it's perfect yeah it's just the tone that you need to leave the film but in a way it's kind of a precursor Two forty-five years that he, I think he was trying for the same effect. Uh, yeah, but yeah. couldn't manage it. Yeah, and I think that because as well between weekend and forty-five years, he had the experience of doing a TV show mm, called Luke. Yeah, which is a whole other ball game. So I think that TV shows kind of 
forward your momentum as a director or writer because there's a lot more of it yeah so you have much more room to even in it's not a very like eight episodes maybe is most of the season but you're still so much more room so much more time and that's why it makes you do a lot more mm. in the sense of like t- the, if he made a weekend and then waited uh, five years to make 45 years and made nothing in between mm. it's kind of maybe how do you we... the progression wouldn't have been as great yeah. as it is yeah. i think because uh, it is if he hadn't have done anything in between that would have been quite remarkable because 45 years is a you know, fantastic film quite masterful really and in a lot of ways not least the ending and i think that like it's not the 45 years is a much better film is no. that i think that a, an ending especially in a film that has such a loose structure the ending yeah. is what binds everything that came before it together yeah. and if that glue doesn't hold what happens is when you look back on the film it diminishes in your head yeah. Because you left with a sour taste in your mouth. Especially, I think, like, because they're both quite, kind of like this, where they have an awful lot of bookends and an awful lot of mirrored scenes and everything, where, you know, there's a lot of, like, in, in 45 years, it's a lot of her going out for walks and sort of, like, you know, and it's the same kind of thing where you're, it's not in real time, but you're in a certain length of time. One's a weekend, one's, is it a week? A week, yeah. Years? Yeah. So, especially within that kind of structure, then whenever the ending feels and, and you have an end goal as well it's like it's yeah. the anniversary in 45 years and here's when glenn is leaving yeah that there's like a big stamp like mm-hmm. uh something that we as an audience know that it's coming something is gonna happen yeah. before this so it's the it's the ticking bomb what screenwriters <laughs> yes. say like yeah. uh, that it's but like, what i feel is almost uh in 45 years by making the ending minimal like minimalistic mm. it, its impact is far stronger and in this he tried to pump up the level to 11 in the sense yeah. of emotion that it betrays the rest the of the movie effect, really. it, just... it just deflates you and, yeah. and I think that it's quite harsh to judge the film purely on its ending and I think oh, why yeah, we yeah. said that yeah, we really really love the film mm. and that's why we're yeah angry that the film yeah. does, it, it doesn't end the uh, yeah, way I don't well you couldn't you couldn't have a conversation like this about a film that we you know that just didn't really do anything for us but like it is whenever you feel let down almost <laughs> you know it's like oh it was so close it was so yeah it's just it's like when you're on a date and everything is going <laughs> okay and like the other person is not a good kisser oh, and you just go like bad shift uh, no, but that was my bad attempt at a mayo accent. Sorry, mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. It sounded like you. If you hadn't, if you yeah. hadn't pointed it out, no one would ever have been the wiser. Ah, sure, be grand. The altogether, I think that the 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 film is a great piece of work. Yeah. I think that the film deserves to be seen. Yes. I thank you for the recommendation. Good. Um, <laughs> you're welcome especially because like I would have eventually chased it down uh, mm, regarding yeah. how much I liked 45 years but I do tend sometimes to kind of push films back that I should yeah, be watching especially like a quiet little film like that you know it's it's hard to like just yeah, go like come just, back from work and oh, go like just I'm just put gonna put that on yeah it's kind of 
You, it, it is, yeah. It's not a Vicodin movie. Like, you're not just <laughs> no. sitting there getting doped up on, like, action. popcorn action, turn Boobs. off your brain. Yeah. But at the same time, it's so relaxing. It, it, it is relaxing in a way mm. that, that I didn't expect it to be. Mm. And You're very uh, much carried along by it. Yeah. You know, you feel very much kind of... Carried seeped, along is the correct seeped, word. But like seeped in it as well. Like it's, you know, especially those big long conversations in the house, I feel that you really do feel just kind of like you're present. Especially that. when they're doing that much drugs. I just felt that <laughs> like for yeah. one is that they, they should be really fucked up and they're not. They're just like mildly parting. Yeah, yeah. And for that That's scene, a lot of it's coke, like. Oh, like every two seconds of line. I'm like, Jesus, man, like you'd be hopping off the walls. But at the same time, I was yeah. like, I felt that I was like, I was the one guy that did too many joints and I'm just in the corner kind yeah, of very hazy. oozy mm. because it is shot that way. Yeah. And it's one of the, the better drug scenes that I've seen, even though like they should be far worse in the far yeah, worse days that they're. You're not kind of going into kind of like fear and loathing in Las Vegas levels of like, you know. That would have been quite an interesting <laughs> ending if, like, suddenly it's like, strange, he goes uh, to the bathroom and suddenly shift, shows up with a uh, <laughs> shows up with a machete and a tape recorder. The, um, everybody looks like crocodiles. So we spoken about what we dislike of the movie. I think that we both agreed that the ending is the worst bit of the movie. Yes. So now I should ask you, what is the best part of the movie? My favorite thing about the film is its subtlety. So the little moments within a lot of it's on the actors' faces or they're not saying their emotions. They're not saying what they're thinking, but you see it, you feel it, you understand it. It's all, and a lot of that is cinematography, a lot of it's performance, a lot of it's, you know, giving time to capture what's happening. And... I think that is just very, very well executed and very, you never in any doubt of what people are, are thinking. It's, you know, it's, it's just very, very well constructed and very well executed, I think. So you're saying that is the classic example of what a screenwriting teacher is saying, <laughs> show, show don't, don't tell. tell. <laughs> so Andrew Haig was paying attention in school. <laughs> Um, Did Andrew Haig go to film school? I, I should have checked that out. Yeah. Whatever, especially for... just that you don't have that on your sheet. Just in case you can't see, this oh, is my professional sheet with everything, beat Simon by beat. Mayo would be appalled. Oh, you don't do segues like this without the sheet, the golden sheet. But uh, for myself, the, the bit that I like the most is cinematography of the movie. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I must say that the blocking was a bit off for my liking as in the mm. the character that I wanted to be seeing in the face especially in the scenes that are so long that it's blocked in a way that somebody comes into frame and then they are the person that the camera is focusing and then somebody mm. else comes into frame or uh, somebody saying the focus is sometimes off yeah that I wanted to see the other person's reaction but I didn't want to see the cut either it's not that I wanted another shot I just wanted yeah. the blocking to but for for one the 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 little time that they probably had to shoot that, uh, yeah. the fact that Andre Haig doesn't like rehearsing, and the fact that there's not a lot of money, so hmm. that reflects even less time to shoot. Yeah, it's very impressive if the mm. the blocking because it, it has a really good structure and the cinematography makes it. I think because yeah. it is 
beautiful but simple it's yeah. kind of it's not one of those movies that you can pause at any moment and it's a pretty picture mm. but i like the texture that the film has yeah. it feels lived in it yeah. feels like what i mentioned before about cinema verite but cinema verite is so in your face the style is not style yeah here is very measured mm. but it's measured in a way that it disappears and you have to look for it yeah uh, the cinematography was by Ulla Ponticus and I think that she was great. Yeah. The music, all I can say about it is that I don't remember any music in it. I, yeah, I have no recollection of it and in a way I think that's a good thing. Like it's... Yeah, like it's a, it's a compliment that I'm saying is yes, that it's so... Certainly. It's kind of movie that I don't remember the, any music at all. No. And that means that Obviously, everything that is in the... Diegetic kind of like club music or whatever. Other than that, I have no real... (laughs) Jesus, now like uh, I'm wondering if there is any music. (laughs) There's a guy in the credits, James Edward Barker. Oh no, I'm I'm fairly sure it does have music. If there is music, well done. If there isn't, (laughs) well done. We're We're getting the credits. (laughs) Well, I think that wraps up for our first episode and uh, next week's film is chosen by me as we're taking turns so mm-hmm. next Very film democratic. next week is the wind rises by Heio miyazaki and we'll see you there thank you for listening thank i was ricardo deacon i was orlando Villas.